two weeks ago when I was uh, up here talking, I was talking about you know, this, that over the next while we're going to really be talking about doing life with God. And a real theme for us this year is intimacy with God and prayer. And so last week, or two weeks ago when I was last speaking, I was talking about the importance of us treasuring God, where Jesus talks about the kingdom of God being the pearl of great price. And it's really where everything begins, is that of us, we, you know, we've got to want God. We've got to want him in our lives. You know, intimacy, we can't have intimacy without actually desiring a relationship, without seeing the treasure and value of who God is. And you can't read the Gospels you know, and see Jesus presented to us without seeing the absolute love of God. His love for his world, his love for his creation, his love for you. And it's, you know, scripture tells us that we love God because he first loved us. You know, and it's the wonderful thing of we have an understanding of his love for us. We are able to treasure him for who he truly is. And, and from there, though, for us to do, that's the beginning of us. We, you know, we have to have a desire for God. But if we have that desire for God, now it's, you know, the next thing is that we need to be connected to God. And so today's, today's message may seem very basic in terms of like Christianity 101, but it's so important because it's really, it's from our, our treasuring of God that we become united with Him. And if we, are, you know, maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then this will be a very important message for you, or you're watching online and that's the case. Or you have the opportunity to share the gospel with people, then, you know, this is an important message for you. As we are worshiping today, I just really felt that God wants to be ministering to people. Uh, he, I just really sense that we need to let him have his way this morning. You know, and so... I'm going to read this quote that I was going to read uh, a little bit later, but I'm going to start with it. And it's a quote from an author, Sky Jathani. It says that faith is the opposite of seeking control. It's the surrendering of control. It embraces the truth that control is an illusion. We never had it and we never will. Rather than trying to overcome our fears by seeking more control, the solution offered by life with God is precisely the opposite. We overcome fear by surrendering control. But surrender is only possible if we have total assurance that we are safe. We must be convinced that if we let go of control, we'll be caught by God. This assurance only comes when we trust that our Heavenly Father desires to be with us and not to let us fall. For us to be reconciled and united with God, it was something that we couldn't do on our own. Our relationship and our unity that we have with God today is only possible through Jesus Christ. It's only possible through what he did at the cross. Jesus is the one that unites us with God. If you know the story of the Bible, it starts off in Genesis. And it starts off with God creating the world. 
He's, you know, it's, it's the story of him creating the earth, creating the heavens and the earth. And then it talks about him creating you know, man and woman. And it talks about the fact that after he created, that God walked intimately in the garden. He was there. He was talking face to face with, with Adam and Eve. He was there in the garden with them. And he asked them to only do one thing. There was only one restriction on them. And it was to not to eat from this tree in the center of the garden of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you, you know the story there in Genesis, uh, Satan appeared to them as a, as a snake, as a serpent, and tricked them into eating from that tree. He tricked them by telling them that God really couldn't be trusted. And that the reason God had told them not to eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil is that if they ate from this tree, then they would be like God. And so they ate from the tree. And and when that happened, God had warned them, look, if you eat from this tree, you will surely die. And them doing that, it, it brought sin into the world, sin being separation from God. Sin, the, sin by its definition isn't separation from God. Sin is simply us missing the mark of what God wants. You know, there was one restriction, and that's what they did. And the reality is that has, is what we all live with when we're outside of a relationship with Jesus. We live under the reality of that separation. When we are not, when we will not put our trust in Jesus, then we live separate from God. Adam and Eve, by their very actions, their action was a lack of trust and a desire for control. It was a lack of trust and a desire for control. And that same curse, you know, that same way of thinking is very much, you know, ingrained in all of us that we want control. No, we, we, it's difficult to trust in God and we want control over our own lives. But to truly embrace this life with God, we've got to be able to let go. We've actually got to be able to say, you know what, God, I, I will put my trust in you and I will let go of control. It's only there that we truly get to live in the benefits of the joy and peace of relationship with God. It's only there that we really get to experience what it is to be united with God in that letting go. When Jesus, you know, was first beginning his ministry, when he was, when he, when we see in scripture, we see it in John one verse 29, he's going to be baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And as he's walking towards John the Baptist, John declares this. It says here, he's declared that, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus. What is our trust in Jesus? Our trust in Jesus is that he is who he truly claimed to be. That what the scriptures declare about Jesus is true. That he truly was the Messiah. That he really was the Son of God. And that he really did have the authority, you know, by living a sinless life. That he was the perfect sacrifice 
for to once and for all undo everything that had been done by Adam and Eve and everything that had been done by sin being present in the world. That what Jesus did at the cross once and for all was reconcile us to God. That is what we put our faith in. We're not putting our faith in our own ability. We're not putting our faith in our ability to live a sinless life. We're not putting our faith in the fact that, look, I've been pleasing to God. And so God, you know, is, is, is happy with me because I've done a good job. We're not putting our faith in ourselves at all. We're recognizing as followers of Jesus that our own abilities to reconcile ourselves with God will never be good enough. And that, but that Jesus was the son of God. He was God himself, both God and man who came, lived amongst us, demonstrated what life with God looked like, and then died as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is faith. That is what our trust is. It's, it's simple. It's profoundly simple, but very difficult because to truly trust that, we've got to let go of control. We've got to let go of control. Because that letting go of control means it's God's way, not our way. It's like, okay, I, I, I can trust that God himself has reconciled me to him. That God himself, what he's done is made it so that there is no longer a separation between him and me. That the effects of sin that happened in the garden, there's a reason, you know, and that have been in the world ever since then, that those were eliminated by Jesus. And that when I put my trust in him, when I trust that that's what he's done, I begin to live in that eternal relationship with God right here and right now. I become united with him. Jesus, the scriptures have him declaring uh, about himself. He said, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. That's what he did. You know, he didn't come to be served, but to serve us and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if you're talking to somebody and you're like, well, you know, why, what am I putting my trust in? You're saying, well, well, you know, Jesus saves. So it's funny. We were driving back home last night from Guelph and there was a big billboard. Jesus saves, you know, and that's great. I mean, yeah, it's wonderful. But what does that mean? And we're all, if we're going to be fulfilling the things that God's asked us to do, because he's told us actually that because of what Jesus has done, Jesus reconciled us to God and that we're to be messengers of reconciliation to others. We're to go once we realize what God has done for us, that we're meant to tell others about that. You know, we're meant to tell them. So we've got to be able to explain to people what it is that Jesus has done for them. You know, like why, why should I follow Jesus? You know, what is this thing? Jesus saves. What's he saving me from? Well, the very simple thing that he's saving you from is a life without God, a life of independence from God. And if someone doesn't have a desire for God in their heart, that's not going to make sense. And we've had, unfortunately, 
uh, you know, we try to come up with techniques to get people to desire God. And the most popular one of those techniques has been in the, you know, the last, I don't know, while has been that we tell people, well, you know, you need to give your life to Jesus or you're going to hell. And so that suddenly the gospel message isn't one of treasuring God and being united with Christ, but it's a get out of hell card. You know, it's a, you know what, you better be afraid of the consequences of not walking with God. And so, you know, out of fear, be you better out of that fear of the consequences of not walking with God, you, you know, better give your life to Jesus. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to. I'll be fair with you. That was actually for me. When I gave my life to Christ, it was, okay, I don't want to be, you know, I, I, I don't want to be eternally separated from, I don't want to end up in hell. I don't want to be eternally separated from God. So I don't know if you're there, God, but I'll choose to believe in you. But I'll be at that time at what God was not something that I treasured. And it took a long journey for me to get to a place that I actually, you know, began to understand the gospel for what it actually was. You know, that it was good news, not not like, hey, there's really bad news, but, you know, here's some hope. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him shall have eternal life. You know? I'm not, you know, don't, don't misread what I'm saying. I'm not saying there isn't, you know, there isn't this eternal separation from God. There isn't hell, eternal separation from God. It's just our motivation for being with God. We're not going to really... You know, be with them if we don't actually treasure them. Can you imagine how much hell it would be to be in heaven and not want to be there? Because heaven's going to be eternally being in God's presence. And if you don't treasure God, you're not really going to want to eternally be in his presence. It's not going to, not going to be, that, that would be hell in itself for someone. Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament wrote about Jesus. He said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And, and that him he was referring to is Jesus. Saying, look, the whole world, everyone's gone astray. The Messiah that God will send, the iniquity of the world will be laid on him. And once and for all, that price will be paid. And that's incredibly good news. <laughs> Paul wrote in Romans 5, verse 10, he said, for if we were God's enemies, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And then to the Corinthian church, Paul wrote on the same topic. He said, therefore, if anyone, is in, in, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, now not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who has no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ashish, when he was speaking, he was saying, you know, for years before 
he would be like, oh, God, I've done something wrong. I need your forgiveness. And then God said to him, hey, you've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. I've already forgiven you. Now repent. Now, God's forgiven you for sin. He paid the price for all of that at the cross through Jesus. And people were confused about that message. So Paul had to write in Romans where people were saying to him, well, oh, well, that's great. Well, if that means we're forgiven, that means we can sin as much as we want to. And then we'll just see more and more of God's grace. He's like, no, you're missing the point entirely. It's not about that. It's not that we just live in, you know, oh, great. We've been forgiven for our rebellion. So let's live in more rebellion. It's that, no, no, that rebellion's been forgiven and now you're being reconciled to God and God who is your good father, who loves you, you because of that reconciliation you have with him now, you can freely go to him and he will not judge you and he will teach you how to live his way. That's the repentance that Ashish was mentioning. Right Where we, before, we're walking and we're trying to fix ourselves in our own strength and our own ability. And we fail. We fail all the time with that. Where we're trying to fix ourselves by our own strength and our own ability. But, but then, when we start learning about God's love for us, that we've truly been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, that, that we can live God's way, it's possible then we can go to him and be honest with God, who is our loving father, who's going, I've forgiven all your sins. You can safely come to me and I will not judge you or condemn you so that you can learn to live in relationship with me instead of living in rebellion to me. And he, in his loving way, will teach us what it is to walk in righteousness. And, and this is the beauty of what Jesus has done for us. It's the, it's the beautiful thing. And it's the only way that we can really live in what God's promises over our life and truly embrace the things of God is if we understand this truth. Because if we don't know that he's good, if we can't let go of control, if we can't let go of, I need to do life on my terms, my way, I need, you know, and, and cause we, <laughs> the rebellion we have against God is generally out of our fears that he's not that good. And so we compromise, right? I mean, I've had so many different conversations with people where where they're living in compromise. They're living in the opposite of what God would want them to live in, but they're doing it because they're like, well, oh, God understands because I just need to do this because to achieve my goal. God understands because he knows that I just need to live this way you know, in this season, because it's whatever the excuse. And God understands what, what the, the, the God understands is that the choice you're making is causing you to draw further and further away from God, from him. You know, God's God has paid the price for our sin or our rebellion against him, our choosing to go our own way. And knows that when we continue to choose to go our own way, all that does is draw us further and further away from him. That's what it does. It it separates us. It separates us. So our, our uniting with God, doing life with God, 
It starts from this place of letting go. And putting our trust in what Jesus did. And putting our trust in the fact that God is good. You know? It says the kindness of God is what leads us to repentance. I can change, turn to God when I truly trust him. When I truly trust him. It's the opposite of the ways of the world. You know, the world says when you, you know, you control yourself, you know, develop the willpower, do all these different things, find your own, you know, if you look at any self-help, any motivational stuff on social media or things along those lines, it's all about you. It's all about you living, you know, you finding somehow developing that ability within you to overcome whatever that challenge or problem may be. God says, come to me. And I will help you overcome. I will be the one that gives you the strength. I will be the one that gives you the wisdom. I will be the one that gives you the faith. I will give you everything you need. It's me. That's where life with God. Otherwise, what we end up doing, if you know, in the story of Adam and Eve, after they had eaten from this tree of knowledge of good and evil, there's two things. One, they looked, because they now had knowledge of, of good and evil, they looked at themselves and said, oh, wow, we're naked. And they felt shame for the first time they'd ever felt in their life. They'd never experienced shame. And now, because this knowledge of good and evil, and they realized that what they'd done was something to rebel against God. And so when God came to be with them in the garden, they hid. They hid. And even though we've been reconciled with God through Jesus Christ, so often the temptation that we have is to hide. When things are hide from him, when things are going wrong, we feel we don't feel we can truly go to him. Or we get back in this place of, oh, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. We don't realize we forget he already has. We get in this that doesn't I want to clarify something. Asking God for forgiveness and confessing to God are two very different things. One is when I like, oh God, please forgive me for what I've done. We forgetting that we've already been forgiven. We're forgetting what Jesus has done. Confession, i.e. God, I realize that the way I'm living is really is, is not the way that you have for me to live. This issue in my life, God, I'm struggling with something. I'm struggling with this. That's confession. It's going to our father and being honest and admitting that what we're doing is wrong. And asking then, inviting him in to help. You can't have relationship without honesty. Confession is an incredible, very important part of our relationship with God because it's in, it's, and it's important because it forces us to admit to ourselves that what we're doing, you know, is not, is not what God's, God's best for us. It's not what God has for us. It's rebellion against Him. And then coming to our good Father going, you know what? I'm, I'm really, God, I'm doing this. I am sorry that I am doing this. And I need your help. I need your help. We have been united to God in Jesus Christ. 
the thing I was saying before at the beginning about, you know, this isn't about, our relationship with God isn't about a get out of hell card. John Piper writes this. He says, Christ did not die to forgive sinners who go on treasuring anything above seeing and savoring God. And people who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there will not be there. The gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It's a way to get people to God. It's a way of overcoming every obstacle to everlasting joy and peace. If we don't want God above all things, then we have not been converted by the gospel. Telling someone, give your life to Jesus so you don't go to hell, doesn't get them to heaven. It doesn't get them to God. It just gets them to respond to fear. Telling people about Jesus, about what he's done for them. Yeah. Sharing with them the beauty of the, of, of the God, of, of his creation, of everything that he has done for us. That right there, that picture. And that's where we see the true, truly who God is. And that is what the gospel is all about. The gospel, you know, if you read the gospels, if you read what Jesus teaches, his message isn't you're all going to hell, so you better follow me. His message is the kingdom of God has come near. Repent. Turn. Come. Come to me. All you are weary and need rest for your soul. Come to me. He speaks of hell. He says, for those that don't come to me, there will be, you know, a place of, of eternal fire, of, of, of weeping and gnashing of teeth. He describes all these different things. But his message was never that. His message was, come to me to come to God. If you want me. And, he, and that, that's what he kept saying to people. He would test people. You know, he fed 5,000 people, performed a bunch of miracles. Then they asked him, hey, will you, will you do that? You know, the next day, hey, will you do that again? And he's like, no, because you just want me to feed you. You don't actually want me. He says there'll be many that have done different things in his name and they come and knock on the door and he says, I don't know you. God's desire is relationship with us. His desire is relationship with us, that we would dwell in unity with him. That's what he wants for you. And that in that through that relationship with us, that we would learn to live his way, the way he created the world to be, the way that it was intended to be to be that we would begin experiencing eternal life now because all this is is practice for heaven right and the new heaven and new earth you know if we don't want to love our neighbor as ourselves here we're not going to like it in heaven if we don't if you look at the gospels and you don't like what they say then you're not going to like heaven and you're not going to like the new heaven and new earth you won't want to be there But I trust we all do. I trust we all do. Right? Man, I, I can't imagine I was, life without God. It's just like for me, I, I when people talk to me and say, oh, how do you have faith in God? I'm like, I, I don't, I just don't even know how to compute having the idea that God is not there anymore. 
He's so real to me. You know, that relationship is so real that I fully know and fully trust he's there. There's nothing that could shake that. Nothing could shake it. And I desire that for you. That each one of us, that our relationship with him would be unshakable. You know, that we would truly know what it is to be united with him. That we would truly know what it is to do life with him. And just how good that is. It's where truly eternal joy and peace is. You know, really. And I wish, I'm not there yet. I wish, you know, I still struggle at times with anxiety. I still struggle at times where just like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm freaked out. It's, and I struggle when I forget who God is and I lose his perspective. And, you know, that still happens to me. So I'm sure it happens to you. You know, I lose his perspective on things. But God is not, God's not there to fulfill our desires and dreams. He's not a genie in a bottle. So we shouldn't follow him in hopes of getting the good life, you know, or getting what we want. You know, how many people like, hey, I'm following God because I'm really hoping that by doing that, I'm going to be able to get this girl or this guy. You know, they are Christians. I better be a Christian so that they like me. You know, or, or I'm going to follow God because I, you know, I want this particular goal met. I want to have this kind of house or this kind of lifestyle. And, and I believe that that's going to be the way that I get that. It's not, that's not the gospel. The gospel is, is that man, God who created the world, who created the universe, who we, you know, mankind rebelled against. He himself loved his creation so much and wants to be so united with us that he himself came down, was born as a human, lived a sinless life here, demonstrated, you know, what it would be like when, you know, in the kingdom of God, with people being healed, with people being set free of demons, with people being loved in the most incredible way they'd never experienced before. And then that very God went and died on a cross for us, taking once and for all the punishment for all sin. Or the consequence. I don't use the word punishment. The consequence for all sin. And in doing that, made it possible for us to be reunited with him and start experiencing the reality of what life with God is meant to be, which is eternal life right here and now. Right here and now. And he says that is a life of joy and peace. A life of joy and peace. So Lord, I pray for us this morning. That we would be encouraging each other in our walk with you. That we would be encouraging each other in our relationship with you. That we would be moving closer and closer to you. We'd be drawing to you, God. That our unity with you would be ever increasing. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus. Say it again. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus, for uniting us back with God. Thank you, Jesus, for making it possible that we can let go of control and truly put 
our trust in God again. That we can not be afraid that we've done something that makes it so that God is separating from us. But that we can always turn to him. Thank you that God's not counting our sins against us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for making that possible. It's just a sense, just in your own words, be thanking him for what he's done for you right now. Just, just close your eyes. Don't worry about the people around you and just thank him. Thank him for what he's done. God wants you to draw near to him. He is always with you. The incredible thing about their good father and about what Jesus has done, God God is always willing to be near us. It comes down to are we willing to be near him? And he's inviting you to draw near to him right now. I'm going to read this over us one more time before we close. And it's that faith is the opposite of seeking control. Lord, help us to let go of control. Show us what that looks like, what it looks like to truly let go of control and put our trust in you. Help us not to try to bring about the outcome we want, but that we let you bring about the outcomes you want in our lives. Help us to surrender. It says faith is, faith embraces the truth that Control is an illusion that we never had it and we never will. Rather than trying to overcome our fears by seeking more control, the solution offered by life with God is precisely the opposite. We overcome fear by surrendering control. Help us in our unbelief Lord, if we don't believe that you're safe, if we don't believe that you're good, that, that, uh, that we'll be safe with you. 
If, if we truly don't believe that what your way is the best way, then help us in our unbelief. Help us in our unbelief. Help us to understand. Lord, when we, when we're in fear, when we're in anxiety, when we're suffering depression, anger, help us to come to you. For those here, Lord, that have chosen, uh, chosen a path of rebellion against you in areas of their life, Holy Spirit, would you minister to them and help show them a path to being able to let go and, and do things your way? Help them to trust that they can abandon themselves to you and things will work out. God loves you very much. He is very good. He cares about every aspect of your life. And uh, thank you for the privilege of sharing that with you today. Don't uh, forget to connect with uh, people. And actually, just as she shall let you wrap it up.